Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. You uh, can save yourself 20% on that stuff. With, by ooh, It's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year, we're going to be running the Mission platform or the EDP platform, EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah. Nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime the bow that got me to switch back i think i feel like i got you to switch back you did but but i like but it was it's a because big part. of prime shootability shooting your bow their accuracy actually. uh we're big fans of prime they're michigan company jared's shooting the nexus four, four. i'm shooting the nexus two this year go check them out g5prime.com jim and georgia from bivouac bow co make some beautiful bows everything from three-piece takedowns to one-piece wood bows uh everything's really beautiful Made in Michigan, go check them out, bivouacboco.com. We, uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared can tend to get lost a lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> this is an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform so you're not, you can, you just, you can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow, would I shoot Vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. You and can do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, VectorCustomShop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. Well, um, just background, you are, this is a pretty big podcast right now, uh, because this is our first under our new, a new label. Would you say it's after a new transition? Umbrella. A new, we're, uh, we're no longer <clears throat> Boga hunting as of when this comes out. Really? Uh, so you are number one guest to break in the new title, Jared. The Fair Chase podcast. The Fair Chase podcast. Ooh. And so you are. I like that. Yeah. Your guest numero uno. For that which i'm excited about we what just did i do what did i do to deserve that you gave me some good pointers uh <laughs> for shooting my bow when you i had fixed them okay you know and so anybody that does that is cool yep. in my book because right? i could use any pointer necessary not only did he give me his pointers and we're gonna jump right into the episode here but tim actually pointed me to his would you call it an academy is that what it's called 
Uh, we call it an online school. Yeah, yeah to push academy. That that's an okay word. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's an yeah. educated word. So I've been going through. I've been uh, you know doing some uh, some night school. Have, Have you? I told you this? Have no, I? you haven't. Yeah, I'm, enlighten us. Yeah. So well, yeah. Well, actually, before I do, Tim, you want to introduce who you are and like, yeah. what I'm even talking about? Sure. So so I'm Tim Nebel. I think this is. I was on your show once before. It's been a while though. Maybe been like a year or so, right? Year and a half. Yeah, it's been a while. So I am um, one half of the Push Archery. We are a trad brand. Uh, I would call us like a media brand slash uh, education slash entertainment kind of edutainment hybrid, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. brand at the moment. Yeah, and YouTube brand. Yeah. So um, we yeah we have a, a YouTube presence. We're tr- trying to grow that. Um, more and more every season we'll be entering our third season. Now we have a team of like 15 guys put together that film it and produce hunts on YouTube. But we also have, um, our educational side. It's called the push archery center of knowledge. It's a website where we have, uh, online classes in archery, uh, all in one place. So we have the, the solid archery mechanics course that you're taking now with Tom Klum. Um, Joel Turner's uh, controlled process shooting online courses on that school That's as well. That's what you need, man, for your, um, your target panic. It's false. He has target panic. He doesn't like to admit it. Be safe. <laughs> <laughs> target panic. <laughs> we can get into that later. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a it's a cool landing spot that we've created and just a little community where people can go that. Uh, you know, people that are looking for help or just looking for some, you know, some help along the way in their trad journey, they can go in and check out those courses. So, so that's kind of, kind of what the push is in a nutshell. Yeah, it's been helpful. Um, you know, I, I'm actually just am doing a video on stance right now, mm. uh, which is good. Um, and it's actually been helpful. I, I, with forearm contact with the string, I w- oh, I had a certain way of standing that actually made me kind of close up or something and ever since I've been shooting that way, right? Like I've been mm-hmm. clearing my, my forearm a bit, which is cool. Um, and actually the big advice that you had, or the thing that we had talked about a little bit was uh, the fixed crawl uh, shooting style, which is now my third shooting style <laughs> that I'm on. I've tried first year. I first, I think only one year I was, uh, um, what you would call it? String walking. String walking, which I had obviously uh, some issues with uh, tuning based on how far off from the target I was, um, that I just, so I switched to instinctive purely for two years or three years, something like that, which it was fine. Uh, but at sometimes it wasn't fine. And it was, uh, not until I've, I've switched now to the, uh, fixed crawl that I feel like I am like r- way more accurate than I've ever been. Uh, it's like my yeah. point, I set my point on at 20 and it's been like dead, dead money so far. So what uh, what kind of sight do you shoot, or did you shoot with a compound? A single pin. I actually still have. I have shoot a compound now too. A single pin adjustable sight. Mm-hmm. So that's I made it. You guys might have seen it on our pages. I made a post maybe a week or so ago, um, and I was a compound guy too a few years ago. Yep. And I would always shoot a single pin. I'd shoot a single pin slider, but I I would never slide it. Like you know, in the white tail woods. You don't really unless I'm on. Unless I'm on a field edge and I can, you know, if I have a deer out in an alfalfa field, it's feeding 60 yards away and I have time to range them and, and, you know, slide my, my single pin down. Like I would just, I would usually set that slider, that, that single pin at 30 
Yeah. And if I had a deer come in at 15, 20, I'd hold a little bit low on him. If he was at 40, I'd hold a little bit high. Yeah. And it's just, you know, just a super simple way to go about things. Well, fixed crawl is essentially the same thing, right? You, you pick that that comfortable distance that, that you, you know, you want to shoot a deer at for me, it's usually like 20, yeah. maybe 25. Okay. So I set it at 20 yards. And if a deer is at 20, I'm holding right on. If he's a little bit closer, I'm holding a little low. If he's a little bit further, I'm holding a little bit high. Yeah. So it, people, sense. I just, I get like, yeah, I, it, when, when I hear people say that, Oh, a fixed crawl is so complicated. I don't want to complicate. Like, no, like it's, it's, way simplifying everything yeah, it's, yeah. i said you know, i was that guy that's why i didn't do it i'm like instinctive is chest. easy yeah i'm like instinctive is way easier and there's way less to think about but actually for instinctive you have to you're so focused on hitting the right thing that anytime your mind wanders i feel like you kind of shoot funny whereas fixed crawl at least so far and i'm several weeks in it was your post that made me message you that convinced me to switch um but oh cool it's uh it's been great. Like I said, I'm only like two weeks in, uh, or so, or whatever it is. Uh, but I've been shooting a lot. And, uh, like, like you said, I set it at 20, a little high at 25. I use my, my flipper rest as like, I can kind of see through it when I open both my hand, my eyes. Um, so I like a little mm-hmm. bit in the middle of that, that's like 25 and then 30 is kind of right near the bottom. And then you know, aim a little low when you're close and it's easy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you start to like, um, you know, you change your, your tree stand setups in the whitetail woods anyway, to, to just, uh, present yourselves with opportunities that are going to be at those distances, right? Like, I feel like the more years I spent, the more years I spend in the, in the woods with traditional equipment, yeah, I'm limiting my setups to, you know, I know I, it's very rare that I have a, a setup in the whitetail woods where I can shoot to 40, 50 yards. Right. Right. Like I'm in some tight, nasty stuff mm-hmm. where, you know, a more mature buck is going to get up and move in daylight. Like they're not going to move in, in wide open stuff. And it's, you know, both of those things just kind of play into each other that, you know, because of your weapon choice, you have to get in these tight little areas, uh, you know, just to kind of choke your, your, your shot opportunities down. And, you know, coincidentally, that's kind of where you're going to find these deer up on their feet anyway. So they kind of, they kind of go hand in hand. Well, and that's, that's why, you know, when I hunt now, it's like the weapon I pick is based on the hunt that I'm doing. So if it's, you know, say a turkey hunt run and gun, I'll probably grab the compound bow so I can reach out and shoot the ones that I couldn't get at <laughs> this year. Uh, but for you a lot grab of grab the 12 gauge for that, I, Hey, we can now we are the fair chase that opens us up. <laughs> See, to guns. that's another reason why you know what I'm switch. saying. I really, you yeah. <laughs> shoot a gun. You've been, he's been dying to do the shotgun for a while. You, you know, I've killed, uh, I've killed a turkey every year with the bow that we've gone out. Yeah. At least in the past recent years. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, and I enjoy it a lot. It's a very exhilarating and very fulfilling experience. Right. Um, when you can successfully kill a turkey with a bow, you know, without a, without a ground blind where you're just right there. Um, but it'd be nice. Just set that gun on your knee and just wait for him to walk right. You know, like we've, we had this discussion when we were up there, um, for us having families, uh, getting away sometimes is a little bit of a chore. You know, you've got a a wife and kids back home. You got to take vacation. And while, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks sweet when you can shoot one with a bow and 
Yeah, but you've been shooting one every I know, year. I know. So what's I know. Your, but to me, you're like on a three I wanna, for three right now. I want to be successful, and I know that a, a shotgun will make you just. I hate to say that, because it's not truly what I believe, but it does make it does take your success rate and bumps it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why I've been talking about you know bringing the compound at least for that type of hunt. Oh, but maybe shotgun's the way to do it. I'll, I'm still going to use okay. my bow. Don't don't get me wrong, but I took a shotgun out a few times last year, and it's I don't for me I don't think it's a success thing with me. I think it's uh it's just more fun for me to hunt them with a gun, like yeah. to crawl around in the weeds and and the whole running gun thing. Like it when you're in the turkey woods and you haul all your crap out there, you're holding like if you're by yourself, especially you're yeah. carrying a blind out there, decoys recurve longbow compound whatever there's so much crap yeah and and a bird gobbles off the like you're you, you roosted a bird he's 100 yards away he's hammering 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 and then he flies down and he starts walking away you're like shit mm-hmm. yep. I did all this do work. like i did all this work and i can't really pick this stuff up and try and circle it's just yeah you know it's it's, it, it's kind of, it's it's fun i think it's fun for me to like crawl through the weeds like vietnam style you know, <laughs> oh and, yeah you know, belly crawl 50 yards like that's that's 99 percent of the fun for me turkey hunting is like running and gunning i think and i think that's what i'm learning these last several years trying to do with the bow i've killed one with a compound maybe like 10 years ago but all my other birds have been shotgun and yeah i've tried the recurve thing the last four or five years and man it's like well we get one week yeah to to hunt and which means for us and one bird if you go public land if you Which have private land, you I mean there's there's a ton of different factors and variables that could increase your season range or for us, we hunt public land, we get one week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the last two years I've tried it with a recurve. Yep. And I mean we get close, but it with it's no no uh like you said no stand or no blind uh and most of t- sometimes we'll have decoys with us and like we get close like 30 yards, but I can never rip a shot off and like have enough time and without them seeing me it's it's fun but like this after this year i'm like man i feel like if i just had a little bit of a different weapon here things would be a lot yeah different. man I, I i would like to say that i successfully convinced him to get back on the training wheels i'll shoot the comp yeah. i well, i wanted to have both <laughs> i like to shoot all things i got yeah, 22 no, 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 no. uh you know 30 30 but it mm-hmm. i mean you've even said it before like shooting the compound like Again, I don't. I hate to say that, but once you have that thing sighted in, you can go a couple months. You can you without have to shoot shooting it every day. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have to shoot it. Where whereas with a traditional bow, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a ton of mechanics. There's mm-hmm. you know, Joel Turner always talks about that shot sequence, and which you should be using for your compound bumps. Just saying, then you wouldn't maybe have such a bad target panic. Right, but that's what makes all these these online classes from the academy that you guys have so essential for people who are you know traditional hunting you can go on there and do what james is doing and you can just increase your knowledge like there's some things on there that i'm sure i didn't even know that i could relate back to compound shooting oh 100 percent. yeah i mean even in 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 tom's solid archery mechanics course uh for sure there's there's considerable uh compound yeah yeah you know back tension um, there's considerable compound stuff in there too, but Joel's course, especially Joel's course is kind of neat. It, 
the curriculum, you know, starts in the beginning with everybody and then it comes down and it says, you know, six, eight modules into it. If you're a compound guy, go this route, yeah. go to this module. If you're a, re, you know, stick bow guy, skip to this module. So it, you know, it, it tailors to both, both of those, but to touch on what you just said there also, um, wouldn't you, would you agree that in the Turkey woods for sure? And, and most definitely with, without a blind, you are at an extreme advantage with a stick bow as far as drawing, uh, ease of drawing a stick bow versus a compound. A compound, uh, the drawing motion is is more violent yeah, and way is. much more motion and and way harder to, if you get pinned at half draw, to hold that. Yeah, I would agree. And especially, I, w- I would agree to a point. Well, and, and, my, and my reasonings are this. Okay. Well, with a stick bow, yes. If you've got a clear shot, you're able to make a faster anchor and yeah. probably a faster shot. And smoother. Right? Uh, yeah. But with a compound, what I've at least what I have found, at least in my experiences during my hunts, is when I can get a turkey behind a tree, mm-hmm. I can come to full draw and just hold. You know, right. and I'll and I'll train in the backyard to hold for if I can to you know, three minutes or however long I can hold. I, you know, I'm, I'm holding as mm-hmm. long as I can. Whereas with a stick bow, I feel like once you're there, there's no let off. So, you, I mean, you're holding the, the 55, the, you know, however poundage that you have. So if that turkey doesn't pop out from behind that tree, are you going to let down? Yeah. Or like, is, is it easy enough mm-hmm. to let down and then quick let, like draw back again? Well, that would be my, I, I would see, I don't know. I think it's both. So, uh, you know, and I've I've done both for a long time, or not a long time, four years. Uh, I found more benefit in actually uh, because of the smooth draw and in close quarters. I feel like it's actually better. I I like having a, a recurve better than a longbow. Um, recurve or, than a longbow. Sorry, than a compound. Uh, what I what I technical. What I think would have been better for turkey hunting would be a compound, just because of distance like i it was it was like 30 yards and i just in our situation yeah on a turkey i did not feel great about just i just didn't feel right about shooting at that distance so you know in that Mm -hmm. sense i would have shot it for the compound bow but like if i'm you know like on the ground in a swamp um and real close quarters bow hunting for deer then i actually i think a a recurve makes more sense because i can it's light i can call it way back in the muck and you know I'm qu- I have a much quicker shot, much more smooth, and I feel like it's just like quicker and l- less thought. Let me ask you this though: in our in our situation this past spring, mm-hmm. with the four or five scenarios where we did get on birds and they were within range of, of compound. So yeah. the f- the first scenario, right in the morning, yeah. Do you feel like you would have had an advantage with a compound bow? Yeah, that would have there because okay. they were. Wait, if they were no at the range that they were at, yes, because they were at about thirty, thirty-five so yards. So you probably could have drawn and taken a shot. Yeah, oh yeah, I would definitely aim high, play the wind. <laughs> what about the second scenario <laughs> towards the afternoon? Oh, uh, which oh, when it was really close, I just couldn't get a shot off. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, that was just tough. Okay, we were behind these like, I don't know. It was like on public land where they had um, made these big piles of dirt. It was by a an old what had must have been a clear cut and a tree planting. And so we had like these big mounds and then you kind of go over one and then another and there's kind of an opening and there's a tom that was just strutting in there. <clears throat> so we cra- cla- crawled over one and kind of got up behind it and the, t- the turkey was 20 some yards away. And like I was so close to having a shot, but 
he was looking right at me. And, like, there's just no way I could get a shot off. With a shotgun, I might have just popped up and blasted him. But Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm more conservative in my shot taking with a recurve now. I've noticed in the last couple of years, like, if it's not ideal, I just – I don't know why. I just don't take the shot. Would you have taken those shots with the compound? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know now. Only time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, there's so many – there's so many – decisions and variables that'll go into man if i wish i would have made that shot or if i had this i would have taken the shot you know it's just i just don't don't want to do a marginal hit i think about that a lot i just don't want to be that guy like i want if i'm going to take a shot i want to be like i know like i I know that is a dead turkey or deer or bear or whatever i'm like hunting okay so that's fair that's where i end What, what do you think um, we, we got into, uh, I forget who, who was I talking to the, I've recorded so many podcasts in the last week. Jeez, we released three today. Nice. Man. man. Um, damn it. Who was it? I think it was, um, Nick Kravoniak. It was, uh, three episodes ago. We just re- released it today. Um, y- you always hear people talk about like, oh, it, it's so much more exciting with a, with a stick bow it's so much more exciting with a recurve or longbow like it you feel like you're a little kid again and i think i finally figured this out guys like, yeah and see if you follow this here okay. so not the actual weapon itself like that's not what's exciting about deer hunting or turkey hunting with 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 these weapons it's not that you feel like you're you're under gun or you know you're taking a taking a knife to a gunfight you yeah. feel like you're at a disadvantage like that's not it what what's actually going on is because you have this weapon, you have to let these encounters play out yes. uh, longer and you have to let these animals get closer than they would. Right. So I think I've killed six or so deer with a, with a recurve or a longbow now. Um, every single one of those was within 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of them were like five, six yards encounters that would have never even happened yeah with with a compound right and and you know i guys i hunted with a compound for for 15 years or so something like that and um we came up with this scenario during that podcast that if if a compound guy would say that okay in the 2021 season i have no interest in a stick bow like whatever that like great i don't care that's fine with me Mm -hmm. but what if you would say, I'm not going to shoot a stick bow, but in my deer season this year, every encounter, I'm not taking a shot unless it's inside 15 yards. Right. Would you feel just as jacked up as that guy with the recurve or yes. longbow? I 100% think so. I, don't... I think that the weapon has a little bit to do with it, but 99% of where this excitement is coming from is the the close proximity and the heart pounding encounter that you're having there. Yep. The fact uh, that you're holding a piece of wood. Yeah. It, it jacks that up a little bit, but really it's just that you can, you can see the whites of that deer's eyes. You can smell them like he's right freaking there. You can hear him breathing and, that's, and stuff. You, you hear know. him breathing. Yeah. I, so, and I, I wish, I wish that my last couple of years with a compound, I would have done that, yeah. that I wouldn't have been like, Oh man, like I'm going to shoot. I'm going to be shooting at 50 yards every night in the yard. Like I got to stretch it out. I got to make sure that I'm walk back to, and I got to do this. I wish that would have been like, screw this. I'm going to take the sight off of this elite or, you know, I'm going to shoot fingers of this elite out of this elite. Just so like to, to kind of force me to 
everything's got to be 15 yards. And I think what you find is you're going to have, uh, it's just going to be a better time, you know, making these, these scenarios play out longer than they would. Yeah. And ultimately you guys have heard people talk about it before. You're going to become a better hunter too, right? Yeah. Yep. No, I, I agree with yeah. that. There's a, there's a deep appreciation to be able to draw an animal in or to be able to get on an animal at close proximity, you know, like how hard is it to sit out, you know, with a 30 odd six or a 308 or something like that at 200 yards, take a shot while there is some practice in taking long range shots. Yes. But there's, it's more or less sitting up on a, on a ridge system or a knoll or something like that and looking out and, all the other <laughs> yeah, and, push them through, right? and just, and just taking that shot. Um, but not that we won't, we don't do that because I 100% I'm going to be out there with definitely the would, this year. Definitely will. But like mm-hmm. what you were saying, it, there's there's something to having that animal coming close, putting in the time, practicing all the time. Yeah. For one, trad bowl, I've, I've done it. I've done it for a year. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of practice. I will say this, though. What I, uh, so um, last year I didn't shoot a deer with my bow. But I saw way more deer. Like, if we compared how many deer I saw and how many deer, deer you saw, I saw a lot more. I saw... Arguably. Uh, debate, debatably. Debatably. Uh, but, I mean, I saw crazy things. You know, I've seen... I saw, like, I didn't know how much bucks truly grunt as they're walking through the woods and moving through the woods. Like, all the time, right? Because most of the time mm-hmm. I would have shot one before I even got to me. Uh, and I've seen... And, you know, this has been... A, people have told me that they don't believe me on this but i saw two does fighting with like bucks sparring and they said no they're button bucks i know they're button bucks they're just doing that because and i'm like no i like they were right underneath my stand i know for a fact they're not button bucks uh but stuff Mm -hmm. i would never have seen that um, because i probably would have shot the doe with my uh compound bow and not not seen any of this cool stuff bucks chasing and whatnot and so i think i mean i don't really feel like inside of 20 yards there's any disadvantage uh with a with a recurve i think it's different <clears throat> there's some benefits to be able to hold the bow back and so on but there's also benefits for a, a, a traditional bow where you're smooth and, and it's lighter and it's just less stuff to mess with and go wrong and everything else so that's i, I think i would agree anything i think it's the close factor and also like i have a a closer um i feel like a relationship with the bow that sounds corny maybe but no like, i get that i'm always out there i shoot it every single day three times a, di- a day uh once in the morning lunch after i eat lunch because i work from home take a break to shoot and then uh i let the dog out at night oh, and must shoot be nice it is nice it is nice uh but um i, I you spend so much time doing something and you kind of just get attached to it so it means more when you shoot something with it mm-hmm and you guys, I mean, would you guys call yourselves deer guys more so than turkey guys? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. You're maybe. I think I'm more of a deer guy. You're. You might I'm be more split. of a turkey guy. I'm split on that. I love. I'm not turkey. a good turkey yeah. guy. He's a. Well, I mean, I, either way, I mean, whichever way you lean there, it's um, you know, when you're making a decision to to make these encounters last longer, and you know, give yourself like you just said uh, more. Uh, experiences in the woods when you are you know when you're in your 80s and you can't do this anymore you're not going to give a crap how many deer are on your wall or you know how many deer that are in your kids wall because you got rid of them because you you know you didn't care to look at them anymore we 
I interviewed, had a three hour podcast with Barry Wenzel last night and the guy wasn't sitting there like, Hey guys, I killed this buck. Check out this buck. Yeah. I got that buck, <laughs> that, that buck. The guy's just story after story, after story, after story, after story. And you start to think like, man, how many of these stories would this guy have if he was, uh, you know, if he had a seven MM on all these hunts Yeah. <clears throat> or if, or if he was a compound guy, you know, when compounds came out, how many of these deer would he have shot at 40 that wouldn't have, you know, come into five and, and taught him so much more in those last 35 yards, yeah. you know? So I know it's just some of the things I've been thinking about more and more lately. And it's, I don't know, man, it's, I, I'm definitely, you guys know, I'm definitely on, on the deer. I lean pretty heavily to the deer side of things now. Yeah. And, you know, you spend so much time, like, I mean, you guys, you guys, us, especially, especially you guys, you know, we, we spend so much time with podcasts and, and you know, trying to build these brands up and you dedicate so much time to this stuff that it's just, it's obvious how much you care about wildlife and, right. um, you know, like you guys, you're calling yourselves the fair chase now, right? Yeah. The, the, I think the key word there, like not to get too philosophical, sure. yeah. but the like key it. word there is chase. The key word, the key word is chase, right? It's not the fair, it's the chase. Like yeah. why you guys are doing this is because you actually like the chase. Yes. You're not killers. Like you're not just bloodthirsty out to kill stuff. Um, if you go you to know, our Instagram like, wall, you'll see we're not killers. Mm-mm. You like trying to figure these things out. Like you like trying to figure these turkeys out where they're roosting out, what they're, what they're eating, what fields they're hitting, um, where the deer are going to be and, and where they're not going to be. So I think that, I don't know, man, for me, like these last, four or five years it, it's switching to a, a trad bow has kind of just like enriched that whole experience for me and, and made you know allowed me to experience things under a magnifying glass that yeah. i think i was kind of not really um you know not really looking at closely enough before yeah no i, I like what you said there it uh when i finally decided to come and pick up that trad bow. I feel like things just slowed down a lot. Yeah. You know, you had to, there was a lot that went into. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. There's a lot of things like what you were saying that like just changed the whole environment of hunting. There's a lot more thought process of can, can this animal get within range? Yeah. You know, have, am I accurate with this bow? And that's one thing that I was, that was contemplating a lot with. Um, two years ago, my, my first, yeah, sit, go ahead. no, I'm following. No, <laughs> to, to piggyback off that two years ago, I was my first sit. I go out and I had a decent eight point, yeah, like a basket de- for, we're in Michigan. So we're not, you know, going for like the Iowa monster buck, a buck that I probably would take in certain circumstances. Right. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, Oh, here he comes. And I didn't even reach, have a thought to reach for my bow for whatever reason. Um, I, I think I just like watched him. I'm like, man, it's, everything's green and everything's lush still. It's still, it's October one for us here in Michigan for opening day and watched him and a doe kind of meander through, like lick the bottom of my tree and just thought, I don't know. I'm just, that's not, I'm not ready. That's not right yet. You're and, just here <laughs> and you're here for the experience. Today. And I don't know yep. why. Yeah. I don't know why, but I, I, I don't know if it really is my it, like age or is it because of the weapon or whatever. I'm just like, I, I think I could kill it, you know? I just, I'm not ready to yet. I don't know why. And I let it walk. And I got a text from, 
I was texting a couple buddies. I might have even been texting you. I'm sure I was. Probably. Why aren't you? Why didn't you shoot it? And like honestly, I didn't have a really good answer. I just it just wasn't time yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys being from Michigan, you guys are Ranella fans, right? Yeah. 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 I like I like Meat Eater. Yeah, I like to watch dude. Meat Eater. I've never met him. I feel like we have to have be you though. Have seen that episode? Yeah. Uh, there was an episode he did. He was, I think he was up uh, at his place on Prince of Wales Island and he was hunting black bears. Yep. And a bear came in uh, like across the, the beach and same thing, man. He like, he pulled up his rifle and he's looking at it, looking at it. And then he just looks back at the camera and he's like, sometimes you just, f- I just feel like a lot, a lot more like watching bears than shooting bears. <laughs> yep. <And> sometimes <laughs> it's, it's just not right. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's, in the grand scheme of things, when, when you're 80 some years old and you can't do this anymore, you know, it, I think we'll realize then like very clear black and white that it was about chasing these animals and being around them and being yeah. with them more so than it was killing them. Yeah. See, that, know, we talk about that all the time. Why we've, you know, been invited to go on certain hunts and things where it was not, we didn't think it was much like the chase that we, we were, we like to do. So we've t- we've turned down mm-hmm. opportunities like that just because it was like, uh, I mean, you set up my stand. I'm going to sit out in your spot. And again, there are people who do that and like more power to you. Everybody gets kind of their choice to, to mm-hmm. decide what a, what a chase is, what a fair chase is. Um, but for us, we've developed the love for like figuring out a piece of land we've never been to. Maybe it's one thing we really have found that we like is showing up to a place, maybe looking it up, up on a, a map, uh, like an aerial map ahead of time, but showing up, giving ourselves a couple days just to figure out deer. And granted, like a lot of times we leave having just kind of figured it out and then, you know, <laughs> and then wishing tag. we had a day or two more to be like, ah, right. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just like, man, I, I more am interested in being actually a good hunter so like you could drop me off anywhere and I could figure it out mm-hmm. then can then finding immediate success right now. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That was very well said. I agree with that. So that's, I don't know. We've, I th- that's part of one of the reasons why we've, we've gone this way with, with the podcast and all the other things is, is that's, that is what's one of the more valuable Our things drive, to us. Yeah. You know, I, I love the story aspect. I love the meat aspect and I love the adventure. I think those three things, uh, I think those things go together well or the chase I said adventure. Um, but yeah. So, and like, like you said, I mean, um, you, you've done recurve, you've done compound, we shoot rifles. I mean, there's a whole bunch of ways to do it, but, um, I think one of the nice things that has been maybe, uh, um, like a, uh, benefit or something that was unintended, uh, with a switch to, to recurve to shooting a recurve was just everything. Like you said, slows down. It does, man. Just, it really does. I don't know. You're just okay with not shooting something mm-hmm. just different to a point to a point. Don't, don't, get me <laughs> don't wrong. give me wrong. I'm going to the UP and we were just talking a couple weeks and like the way that my family eats bear meat and lard, I will shoot the first good bear I see. And like, be jumping up and down. Uh, I have some bear grease in the freezer if you need mm. some. Yeah, we eat we eat bear, most of our meals in a day are from that bear fat. Cool. Uh, which is 
It's just awesome. A family favorite. We got some uh, of ground meat left. That's about it. Like, oh, did you? Like from four my bear? Oh, uh, yeah. I think nice. it's actually because you marked it with a B. Yeah. Nice. B for bear. That's. I, I was hoping <laughs> B for not something D for else. deer, B for bear. Sometimes the B gets erased a little bit, and it's a surprise. So. <laughs> you just make, Is that a B? Or a, <laughs> it's going to be a, a darker meat. Then something. <laughs> just eat it, kids. Eat it. That's right. No, we. Uh, the big hit is bear balls. Yep. Was that from you? That's mine, baby. <clears throat> Smoked. Uh, <coughs> it's almost like a meatloaf. Uh, peppers, yeah. onions, kind of like meatball it, throw it in the smoker. You can uh-huh. cook the snot out of it. It's still mm-hmm. delicious. And my daughter will eat two pounds of it in a sitting, so <laughs> not bad. Huh. I've never, I've, I've been bear hunting a couple days in my life, but they were, they were both in Pennsylvania and it was like a, a situation where it's like, okay, we got 20 guys. We're going to drive out this piece of state forest. And it's, you stand here, you know, and I I never even saw a bear, but um, we're starting to get them. My parents live in Pennsylvania, about two hours Northeast of me here. And they're getting them pretty thick there. Now, when I grew up there, I never saw any bears there. They never had any, but now um, my dad has them pretty, pretty regularly in the backyard. So bears have, I don't know why they. I, you could say they've captured my imagination. Like I, there's something romantical about shooting a bear. And so we we went last year and did beh- with hounds. Yeah, uh, we went with the untamed. They dragged us all through the mountains and seeing like the hounds work and and all that was like incredible. And then just seeing a bear, um, like you said, we're, in what we're, state? Uh, this was uh, West Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we're from, not a lot of bears down here up north. There are some, and it was like very mythical, like. You know, growing up, it was like, oh, so-and-so saw a bear down the road. And it was like, it was dark and it was shadowy, but he's pretty sure it was a bear. He's it's pretty like, sure. Could have been a big cat or a coon. But. Right. It could be anything. <laughs> but it's like, I think that backdrop is now when I go bear hunting, it's like I'm mis- hunting this mysterious thing that growing up, it was like, yeah. is it out there? Isn't it out there? It's um, either bear or a Bigfoot, one or the bear other. Bear or Bigfoot or probably just a raccoon, you know. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, I'm. Uh, but lately it's been that. I mean, uh, and it's just. That is my favorite. I think that's my right now favorite game. Meat. I think bear is so. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I've. I've you think so it. too? Yes. Yeah. 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 And this this is coming from a guy. I mean, we eat venison probably. Um, I don't know once or twice a week. It's you know sometimes, wow. but uh, my wife and I were in Montana last uh, September. Was that September? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. She can confirm. And yep. um, our, our friend Tyler Carlson um, and his wife, they made us some of Tyler had shot a bear and I believe it was in Idaho uh, that the, the year before. And he uh, grilled up a, a backstrap of his on the grill and mm. dude, like the best piece of meat I've ever eaten in my entire life. Yep. Better yes. than any elk steak, better than any beef steak. Oh, oh. yeah, dude. Unbelievable. Dude, you do, it, I, it's i would describe it like if you take the best beef ribeye that you could ever get yep. right and uh you cut out like on on the on the outside of a piece of ribeye there's a like a, a strip of meat that is kind of like extra full with fat it's like marbled and stop, it, stop. <laughs> it, it tastes like you're chewing on a piece of amazing beef fat yeah. but it's not fatty Yep. Right. Like yes. Is that how you would describe it? It's rich and so tender. It's like very soft beef, almost like you mix it with a little pig in there. Yes. 
You know what I'm saying? Yes. I I did. A, I th- I think it's like made for a sous vide and then to to reverse reverse sear. Yes. Because then you don't have to worry about getting it to the right temperature and then having it dry out. I did it with a Tyler and the sous vide, and then I threw it on the for a reverse sear. And dude, it's Which like I'm hoping people know what reverse sear is. It's explain pra- it. It's practically bringing the meat up to a certain temperature, either in the oven or someplace warm. Sous vide. Which or would be, a sous vide water bath. Yeah. Um, and then you put it on a very hot grill for a very quick <laughs> like amount of time. 30 seconds to Flash 45. sear it. Yep. So reverse sear. Instead of hitting it very hot and searing it. So keeping the moisture in and then cooking You're doing the slow. opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Thank you, Jared. You're welcome. You know, uh, his claim to fame is he's been to a few semesters of culinary arts. Culinary arts. Oh, so cool. Just yep. enough to show us a thing or two when we're cooking. Just enough to be dangerous. Oh, I've heard dude. that. Yep, I've heard that uh, regular searing like that, searing it and then cooking it. I've heard that, you know, you always hear that lock some moisture in. I've heard that's BS. Yeah, that's very much true. BS. Is it? Yes. Why? Um, so obviously you're cooking a muscle, right? Right. Like this, all right? meat is a muscle. So if you were to put your hand on something very hot, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, showing those <laughs> guns on there, right? So if I put my hand on a burner, yeah. What What's your initial reaction? It tightens up. You're gonna pull it off and yeah. hold on to it, right? Sure. That's exactly what those muscle tendons, those muscle fibers, are doing. So if you hit it with something hot, <clears throat> instantly it's gonna tense up. And see, that's where where some people would argue that if you put it in a warm environment, it'll help everything. That's relax why you let it come again. to room temperature. Wait, what? That's why you let it come to room temperature before Both. you grill it. Um, I could be wrong. Just, that's no. That's, that's just for a, that's I'm just making. for a quicker quicker okay. cook, really. So the theory, it, it doesn't have anything to do with tenderness. It has to do with locking in moisture. So is that not true either? I No, I, I don't. So if you were to sear something, right? Yep. And you're at, you brought it up to a temperature that you want. We'll say a medium rare, so like 135 internal temperature. If you were to let that steak sit on a plate, are any juices going to come out? Yeah. Right. Yes. That's why you cover it. Right, it's and gonna let it sit it's, for fifteen. 15 it's gonna come minutes. out. There's no way to lock in juices. Okay, it's a mm-hmm. por- it's a porous material. The thing's made out of fibers. All okay. muscle fibers kind of intertwining with each other. So you're saying it's gonna come out either way. I think it's gonna come out either way. Man, I don't know. So I mean, wouldn't you think that? Not to get too far into this, but whenever you like what you just said is those those muscles tense up when they get mm-hmm. when they get hot. So by searing it, you would make the outer layer of that steak those fibers tense up and get really tight <laughs> yeah to lock moisture in right yeah but by that's what i my, thought my theory is by tensing so this every, is theory by ten- this is not this, gospel this truth. part is theory okay right just so, clarify that so muscle fibers are held together by collagen right sure little almost looks like little spider webs through i it. eat collagen and i'll uh, make gummy bears out of college or uh collagen i think right, right? little yeah. connect little connective tissues right yeah. so if you tear all that and everything's a lot tighter there's going to be gaps in all those muscle fibers. I think I think it holds. You know what? Should we test it? We get we're going to test it. I'll we should that'll be a test. We just right need to down. take two take two steaks, weigh them before and after. <clears throat> yep. To yep. see how much moisture they lost. That's the objective side. The mm-hmm. subjective is the taste test at the end. You got to have the objective, you know, mm-hmm. f- yeah. weight and ten, you know, squish and then the subjective just how do you think it Which tastes? I could see the argument where, you know, you're essentially cauterizing the outside right. and making a seal that's where you get that crunch almost like a, yeah. a crisp but, i mean you gotta 
there's a lot of you have to have fat you got to have caramelization you got to have there's a ton of stuff that goes into having a, a crispy outside that's listen though make that. i'll tell you something about this and it's a tangent not really but it's related uh if you take testicles and you throw them on a hot skillet that's exactly what happens uh, they, you put them Pop. on and they just like go. your f- own testicles? No. Well, I, yeah, I'm sure yours might if you want to throw them on there. I'm you talking see like. Hot. He does talk with a higher voice nowadays. You know? Yeah. That'll wake you up in the morning. <laughs> yes, it will. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I had some, uh, a couple of deer, deer balls. Um, that I'm yeah. like, <clears throat> I had been hearing. So finally I'm like, I'm just going to try making some deer balls. Threw them on the, a skillet just with oil and they like they tensed up, and I had read you have to be careful because they'll tense up and then they'll like pop, they'll pop. And I was not, I did, yeah. I did not do that Paid right. No so I put them on, and it was just like, <laughs> like a popcorn. Yeah, it just kind of like popped out a side. Ate them. Actually, still delicious. Or like a really hot brat. Really? Yeah, like a like hot brat. Yeah. Just oh, they're deli- have you never huh. tried balls? No, <laughs> I've heard they're like uh, scallops. Kind of like scallops, or like bacony scallopy. See, I love scallops. You, I'm, I'm a telling big you, scallop if fan. you, if it wasn't the fact that it was balls, it would, you would think yeah. that it was good. If you Can't could remove it, that, although that is like the, it's good. I would eat them again. It's like the most alpha male type dominance. I'm just really? gonna eat this dude. Yeah. I'm like, I killed That's you. That's how you I'm look at the world, you. man. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna eat your balls. <laughs> Suck That's it, dude. That's what the Vikings used to do, right? Yeah, it's right. Like a real to Viking their enemies. Move. Just eat their balls. They would eat the balls of their enemies. Yeah. I was, uh, Is that a lie? Because I'm no, going to believe that. I was reading last night First, uh, <laughs> first right, Samuel, all right, in the Bible. Uh, Paul, or Paul, Saul tells David They definitely to go. don't talk about testicles. They do. Well, he, Paul, Saul tell, sends David out to, uh, to, he said, you're going to marry my daughter, but you have to get 100 Philistines foreskins, right? So he don't. sends him out. I'm not kidding you. So David and his men go out and kill 200 uh Philistines come back with two hundred, and he wins uh, her hand in marriage. Foreskins, so, for, Well, you got to prove that there are two hundred different men is essentially what what they had done. There was not the same association because there was with, no circumcision back then. Of course, well, if you were not a chosen uh, person, correct, right? So he goes out. He comes back with two. It just shows that he was a successful man. But for them, you know, I think foreskins had a very different like connotation. So than we're talking, talking about eating foreskin now. No, I'm is just, that where you're yeah, going? I don't know how we got here. All I know is, yes, it will firm up if you put it on heat. I can prove it. That's fair. And uh, we'll call them, so what do we call them again? Michigan Swampy Michigan Oysters? Michigan Swamp um, Clams? Swamp, no. No, clams. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Uh, so uh, This isn't where you thought this was going to go. Wasn't you know what? You never know. But here's the thing. Jared came to this and he's like, yeah, I had he comes with a Coors Light and whatever Whatever is in there. It's a five-year-old whiskey, sir. So nice. A fi- five years ago was a good year. It was uh, a good year. <laughs> so I don't. You never know what's gonna come out. Um, what's the Coors Life for to like chase? You know, it? believe yeah, it or not, this is a you know this was a good story. I came out here. Uh, I started setting up for the podcast. So I was cleaning out. <laughs> Appreciate that, by the way. Cleaning out the camper, and my daughter comes up. She goes, "Dad, I got a surprise for you." And I'm thinking, oh, great. It's another piece of flour or another dead bug or something. Yeah, you know, something standard. Dumb. You put it in your pocket for later. And yeah, right. About Thanks, it, honey. Yeah. She goes, here, cold Coors Light. You know what? Straight out of the fridge. I said. <laughs> she looked at you today. And she goes, man, he had a rough day. That dude needs a Coors Light. I, I said, feel for him. Thank you. And she goes, yeah, I know you like him before the podcast. <laughs> this chick's four years old and She's bringing four? me beer. Does She's that mean? Four? Yeah. She can ride a bike. It's pretty good. I was 
I was pretty impressed. She was so. right. She showed it's me. It's awesome. When I get here, it's basically his kids come out show and, and show me all their stuff. Yeah. So it's like whatever they uh, – there's a, a net of flowers that – something to do with butterflies. She believes that flowers in a butterfly net will attract butterflies. I can't You say bring it. the flowers to them, they come in the net. I like I like it. Oh, I, wow. I can't prove her wrong. I can't say that that's wrong. Yeah, whatever. So – Anyways, uh, all that being said, anything com- can come out when you, you're uh, – basically, that's a boiler maker if you would have just added them together. Oh, they are. A boiling in my tummy right now. <laughs> well, you uh, – so, so Tim, uh, I know we're, we're coming up a little bit on time here, but this year, what, what kind of hunts you got going on? I know hmm. you're, uh, you're a, typically an early season big buck killer. Uh, is that going to happen again this year? You got your eyes on something. Uh, Don't roll your eyes. Yeah, I, we know. <laughs> um i don't know i i hope so um i've got a couple potential candidates on camera um i don't know like th- this next month or so is kind of like my panic mode where i if i don't have something that i want to go after i'm like bumping cameras around like crazy like yeah. a uh like like a madman yep. i kind of i'm trying to talk myself out of doing that this year but typically like i'll my my typical game plan is uh, I'll take like a half a bag of corn to a spot with a camera. Yep. Dump the corn, leave that camera there for a week. I'll go back and check it in a week, and if there's not like a really nice buck on it, I'm moving that camera somewhere else. Like I, it, it's fairly and I might aggressive tactic it. right there. Mm, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I typically do that like the entire month of July and August. Okay. Um, I might. And, and, you know, I, I typically work with like six or seven different cameras, so it's not like crazy unmanageable. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm just like bumping stuff like crazy trying to, to find a buck because I don't, I don't feel like around here anyway, and I think it's probably similar where you guys are at. Um, I don't feel like they're moving very much now. There, no. There's so much food out there for them now, whether they're on bean fields <laughs> or just eating like browse in the woods. Uh, a lot of times, like, I'll have a camera out for, for two, three weeks, nothing on it at all buckwise, and yeah. I'll move that camera six, seven, eight hundred yards, and I'll have completely different bucks on it. Yeah. And we're on, you know, I didn't have yes. at spot number one, so I just I feel like I have to kind of just you know reach out and touch a bunch of different areas to see what's what's here, what's there, because um, the properties that I hunt are kind of they're not humongous farms or like smaller ish pieces so if i don't have anything cool on a farm i kind of just leave it you know i just just don't want to don't want to waste time where you know there's not something worth going after so but yeah i don't know have a couple potential bucks that that might be around still by opening day um i have a an elk hunt planned with um, ben massey yeah we had had him on on recently Mm -hmm. yeah Ben Massey and Wade James. You guys probably know Wade. Have heard of Wade? I've heard of him. Yeah. Heard of him. Yeah, he's. He, I've um, seen his work, and it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so Wade and Ben and I. This was actually Wade's trip, and Ben and I kind of talked our way into going as well. So the three of us are going. We're heading out to Colorado, um, over the counter DIY, BLM land kind of stuff. But That's I haven't been out hunting since. Yeah. Yep. Um, I haven't been elk hunting since 2010, so That's time. it's going to be pretty pretty neat to get back out there and do that. But um, doing that in September, I'm going to go back to Kansas for the third year in a row. Um, this probably October Halloween time frame, kind of I'm going out there with Logan Glassburn. Okay. 
Um, but other than that, just hunting around here. So you, you live in a good spot. You That's live in exciting. A, you live in a good spot, a good area, uh, a good deer area. From what I've heard, never been there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it is. I I grew, grew up in Western PA. I think I might have mentioned this the first time I was on here with you guys, but uh, grew up in Western PA, like a big hunting area. You know, like culture-wise, yep. big hunting area, but big deer-wise, they just weren't there. Um, you know that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, started traveling for work later on and, you know, moving moving around a, a considerable amount and uh, got stationed here to work here for a while and, and, you know, saw what was here and, you know, started to look for something that was more permanent around here, just, you know, 100% because of the deer that were here. So I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that is, that sounds like a great year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, especially doing some hunts around. I don't know. Like, a lot of times we'll get asked, and it's like, yeah, like maybe you have one or two cool trips in a year, but, and I always try to, like, say, you know, the majority and, like, of my energy and my thought is about hunting in my backyard or in some woods in my area uh, rather than around. Uh, I'm doing something a little unique this year, and it's not by choice. I'm not, I haven't put a single trail camera out and I'm, I've got a spot. I'm, so I'm in the process of moving. I'm, I'm homeless right now. I'm living in my in-laws basement. Uh, but where I'm moving, I'm getting, there's a lot of land that I plan on hunting. It's public land. Um, it's boat accessible for a lot of it. Mm. So I've got different nice. points that I'll be launching in and taking a boat down a river and uh, my kayak down a river, but I haven't, like I'll get very minimal time to scout. Um, and so what I've been listening to a lot, and we actually actually should get him on the podcast, Cody DeQuisto, um, who does lo- a lot less scouting but more in, in-season kind of stuff. And I think just by virtue of the life that I have, the, the hand that I've been dealt, that's the uh, the route that I'm going to go this year. So mm-hmm. should be interesting. No trail cameras. Feels weird. No trail cameras, but... Uh, but a lot of land and like... A lot of land and um, a lot of night school. A lot of yeah, like to practice. I, yeah, exactly. It'll be uh, a lot of time, uh, which would be cool. So, but no trail cameras feels weird. And, but again, I get kind of neurotic with trail cameras, so I'll I'll put it out and I like think about it all the time. And like within a week, I'm always like, hey, Jared, let's go pull that camera. You know, let's yeah. see, see what's he's on not, there. He's not the most patient. But, so. but here's the thing, like right now in July, or this will go out in August. Um, Right now in August, like the deer movement is for at least for us, <clears throat> very different in August than it is October one when when season oh, opens. Yeah. And so you're getting, you're kind of getting like a, an inventory. And I feel like I don't know. You've been kind of alluded to it. People rely a lot on cameras to see what deer are in an area. But like a buck could just walk, could evade that camera, like walk around it. Happens all the time. And so if, unless you're doing what you're doing and moving it fairly regularly in an area. I mean, there's a there's a good chance you don't really know everything that's going on with just that small piece of data. I feel like you're bringing up a whole new uh, podcast episode of. You want to? Should we talk about that podcast strategy or uh, podcast strategy trail camera strategy? It could be a podcast strategy Uh, on trail cam strategy. There we go. So yeah, well maybe we'll have to get into that. I don't have anything to contribute this year. I have no. I don't have it. I don't know. Mine will be. I don't know. We'll go with what you do. I don't have any out. You don't have any out yet. <laughs> no, dude. Holy cow! Every year, I'll say this though, Jared. I feel like you. Uh, this is your standard. You yeah, never have stuff. I out. never do it. I'll just get. That's the thing. Deer have different patterns during the summer and different. Is fall. that why, or you just don't get to it? 
I don't get to it. That's why. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm My not. I'm not pattern. trying to to pattern anything now. I'm just trying to see what's there. Right. You know, I I think it's yes, it's from like a you know an inventory perspective. Like I I want to be I want to educate myself on what's there, but I think if I would you know admit the 100 truth it's just i just really like watching deer yeah i do too <laughs> exactly i exactly. like watching them i like seeing what they're doing and, there's something you know. about just getting that big old velvet buck or one that's growing into a giant yeah, just like and just like and what just are they looking. doing today yeah what are they stop licking your yeah. butt go yeah. out and eat dude. yeah exactly it's moving go through. do something yeah. well um tim uh thanks for taking an hour of your your day to just BS with us and mm-hmm. talk about yeah, traditional guys. stuff. We've like like we like you said we had you on a while back and um you know your your name popped up with that post about switching to a fixed crawl and I'm like man we should get him back on so appreciate you taking the time. Cool man yeah no problem at all felt like it was ten minutes honestly I know. did not feel like an well, hour. Well compared so. to three hours that you had with uh, the other guy it's yeah probably... I was, you came out with like six <laughs> hours of stuff i saw today you guys are yeah. just pumping stuff out which is awesome. yeah we've been we've been busy we're trying to get people uh some listening content when they're driving to etar this week are you you guys aren't going to etar no uh, no i i have to be sl- so i sw- recently switched jobs same and so my my vacation time has taken a hit <laughs> Which means yeah. I have to be very and all my selective. All it is goes to hunting. If I'm being totally honest, any time for sure. Yeah, I get it. Time with family, which yeah. is generally I'm bringing them on the bear hunt and or I'm camping. So I'm it's, doing a lot of camping. Loop I get them one into big stuff hunt, you yeah. like, and it, it it's a win win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so. I have to get it on the schedules. You know, at yes. some point. Yeah, you guys come out to so. uh, Kalamazoo or anything like that. I was at Kalamazoo um, the last time they had Kalamazoo. Was that last Two year or the year ago. before? I don't know if they had it last year. One of the years. I don't remember now. I think it was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was an awesome time. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's you guys are just, just outside of Kalamazoo, right? right? 40 North. minutes from here. <clears throat> yeah. You are, where are you 40? 40. From Door? 40 from Door. Door is in the middle. He lives, right now we're in the middle of nowhere. It's a beautiful spot, man. And it's meth capital of the world. It is not. <laughs> no. <laughs> <There's>, uh, <laughs> we are known for it. our blue crystal, though. Yeah, that's right. It's, <laughs> Heisenberg is around here somewhere. All right, yeah. man. Well, hey, um, for people who want to follow you, check you guys out, um, watch your your your. I, I just saw it today. It's got like a million, one point five million views or something ridiculous. That's your, awesome. Your push <laughs> traditional archery yeah. video. Where can they find you? Uh, we can be found on uh, YouTube. Is one of the best places. Our our YouTube channel is just the Push Archery. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can subscribe there and follow our. We're going to be releasing some hunts here coming up. So. Um, so look for those and the push There's a link on there to the, the center of knowledge that we call it. Uh, it's called the pack the PACK yep. push archery center of knowledge that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, but, um, yeah, everywhere else, Instagram, we're mainly Instagram guys. Facebook is kind of like, we have, uh, I don't even know how to sign in. in. I'm not even, I don't think I'm allowed. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how to sign into ours, so no. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We're pretty easy to find. Yeah. Awesome. Well, appreciate you coming out. Um good luck this season. Send us pictures as you kill big bucks. Well, we'll do. <laughs> we'll do. I appreciate appreciate the time you guys have me on. It's awesome. You guys need to come on our program as well. Yeah, anytime. Mm-hmm. Of course. All right. All right. We'll see it. All right, guys. Take care. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out, keeps the train rolling. 
And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd Helps everyone cool. out. We'll see you out there.